What's up, everybody? My name is Lindsey Melton Jr. Thank you for lending me your ears, your heart, and your mind. This is the True North Podcast. Hey, if this is your first time listening to um, the True North Podcast, I do want to give you a forewarning. This is usually not the way my episodes go. Um, usually, um, the the premise of the True North Podcast is we all are sailing through our own type of ocean, our own type of body of water, whether it's being a parent, an employee, an employer, um, uh, a spouse, um, a teacher, a janitor, a musician, a minister, a youth pastor, a um, you know a single parent, um, son, daughter, whatever it is, we all have our own um, our own body of water that we are trekking through, that we are sailing through in this life. And if you have made the decision to follow Jesus, then the path that you should be um, sailing on should be the path that lands you at the heart of God. So what I normally like to do is to take current things and, and, and navigate us on a path that lands us at the heart of God. Because at the end of the day, for the believer, our true north is Jesus. Hence the name. But this episode, I want to talk about something, and I do navigate it back towards the heart of God towards the end. But I want to discuss the the murder of Ahmad Arbery. In this episode, there's no editing other than this intro and me telling you what's about to happen and the pad that I have playing at the end when I pray. But other than that, the audio quality is not the best compared to past episodes. But that's because this is raw. And as soon as I saw the video, I pulled out my phone and I recorded um, my emotions, my hurt, my frustrations, my anger, my experiences with racism, and my thoughts toward it. Now, the premise of this episode is not for you to feel sorry for me because I'm good. I don't, I don't need you to feel sorry for me. That's not the goal. And it's not to get you to feel sorry for Ahmad. Also, this, is, this episode is not a spitting contest. I'm not comparing my moments of racism with his or anybody's. So I'm hoping that you hear this and you share the message with somebody else. And that person shares the message with somebody else. And I'm praying and believing that the right person gets the picture and things truly begin to change. So without further ado, let's go. So um, this episode is going to be different. I'm just going to go and give you a spoiler alert. There's not any Netflix recommendations or music recommendations. Um, this is something that I've become aware of. When my wife first told it to me. Um, I want to share with you guys. Obviously, you know, and if you don't know, you're about, you might want to buckle up. Um, there was a man by the name of Ahmad Arbery, and uh, forgive me if I mispronounce his name, it's not intentional. Ahmad Arbery was shot dead in Brunswick, Georgia, after 1 p.m. on February 23rd. Yes, I said February 23rd. He was jogging in uh, Satila Shores area, which he was, 
as he was jogging, he was chased by two white men, Gregory and Travis McMichael, who believed he was a burglary suspect. These two men were not officers. They were civilians, like you and I. Um, there's a cell phone video that's went viral. It circulated across social media on Tuesday, Tuesday of this week. So, uh, Tuesday of this week, let that marinate for a minute. He was shot dead February 23rd, and the video went viral May 3rd. Excuse me, May 5th. May 5th, you know, when um, when the country went under quarantine, my wife asked, you know, what is the government really covering up? What are we missing because we're so focused on this? Coronavirus. And that, well, here's one of the things we've missed. An African-American, an unarmed African-American that was exercising. He was jogging in a white neighborhood, was lynched pretty much, by two Caucasian white men for no apparent reason other than hate. Normally I would edit this podcast or edit this episode and cut and all the, no. This is just, this is just me, raw emotion, talking to you. Georgia prosecutor Tom Durden announced that he wanted a grand jury to determine whether charges should be brought against the two men. While the family lawyer, Aubrey's family lawyer, they're declaring that this is murder. And the McMichael brothers told police that Albury attacked Travis when they tried to talk to him. That's when Travis fired his weapon twice, killing 25-year-old Albury on the spot. Neither Gregory nor his son, Travis, have been arrested in the shooting death. Gregory is a retired Brunswick Judicial Circuit District Attorney Investigator. Well, that helps. That helps in his favor that... He's a retired person of the law. Just, just saying. It doesn't. Who it doesn't help is the Alberry family. It doesn't help them at all. I'm just gonna be honest. This sucks. And don't turn this off. Don't go to the next episode. Don't go to another podcast. Don't go to listen to a song to make to to lighten the mood. No, don't do that. Oh, my wife. She told me about this a few days ago, and, you know, being African-American, this is frequent, unfortunately. And God forgive me, but in my mind, it got lost in the white noise because I was so focused on some things, some other things, my job and responsibilities and roles and stuff like that. I forgot that it happened. So on my lunch break, she asked me had I watched the video, and I said, well, no, I don't need to. I, I mean, I know. So I know you need to watch the video. So she made me watch the video. And henceforth, now you have an episode that you're listening to because, like, I wanted to throw up. And you know what's sad? I couldn't even imagine what it was like when my parents were my age. My parents, they went to their first integrated school when they were 12. When they were in middle school. So therefore, they they knew what it was like to be segregated. And low-key, they still do. I could tell you some stories. I mean, it's 
it's not a spitting contest. I'm not trying to compare my moments of racism to to this because it doesn't compare. But but those that know me personally would say, well, Lindsay would never cause suspicion. Let me let me give you let me let me enlighten you on some moments in my life where I've caused suspicion to people that are opposite of my color. <clears throat> This is in no order, but I remember on my 18th birthday. Now, my dad has always worked two jobs. He's worked for a uh, Johnson Controls factory in our hometown, um, and it's changed names so many times I don't know what it is now, but he's worked there since he was in high school, since he graduated high school. And then when I was nine or ten, I think actually eight or nine, he took a part-time job at AutoZone Parts Store in our hometown and he's worked there till this day so my 18th birthday i uh, i got off work at the time i was in high school i worked at uh, little caesar's pizza in our hometown and i uh, i had a change of clothes because it was my birthday i wanted to uh wanted just to have some fun so uh as soon as i got off i changed clothes at little caesar's and uh went and got a oreo cookie blizzard from dairy queen which was right across from um, my dad's job. <laughs> and I wanted to be with my dad because earlier that day, my dad's a man of few, many words. Um, he's a man of few words. Earlier that day when I got out of high school, my dad was waiting for me at my mom's job. He was en route to go to his next job to work, but he stopped there. And he was waiting for me, so I, you know, I stopped by my mom's workplace. Normally, I would go there and kind of hang out there until it was time to go to Little Caesars. So when I pulled into her job, he was out there in the parking lot, leaned up against his truck, <laughs> drinking a Coke and eating a Slim Jim. <laughs> and he's like, happy birthday, son. I said, thanks, Dad. I gave him a hug, and he said, here, come here. Stand beside me for a minute. I want to tell you about the day you were born. And we had such a, for that six minutes, it was the coolest six minutes of my life. Like, I'm 31 years old now, and I still remember. So fast forward, that night, I mean, an Oreo cookie blizzard, and I'm so moved by my dad, him telling me that, that I just want to be with him. So I parked outside of his uh, his job. There's an empty parking lot. A lot of teenagers will hang out there and stuff. So a few of my friends, they drove by and they saw they saw my car was there. And I was just standing outside, standing, leaning up against my car, eating an Oreo cookie blizzard <laughs> from Dairy Queen. Uh, so they pulled in two Caucasian guys. Um, really, really nice dudes. One of them I'm still semi-friends with today. And... Uh, so it's getting closing time. Closing time was uh, nine nine o'clock, and all of a sudden the cops pull in the parking lot, and their sirens going, lights flashing, and they're telling people they gotta leave. And they see me leaned up against my car, and uh, they pull they pull right over to me and get out. Two officers get out, and uh, they shine their lights at me and my two friends. Both of my friends are Caucasian. And they proceeded to ask us what we were doing. I explained to them I was waiting for my dad. 
to get off work. And I pointed over at AutoZone, and my dad's standing. He's standing at the window watching them as they investigate his his son. And uh, they look at my two friends and look at me, and they say, whose car is this? And I said, it's mine. And they open the door and start to search my car. And they search my trunk. And I told them the only thing in my trunk is my pizza uniform. I opened the trunk for them. They searched it, saw my khakis and my pizza shirt covered in flour. My my shoes that I wore specifically for work. Nothing else in the car. I wasn't hiding anything, didn't have anything. I don't do drugs, never did drugs. They check my license and like, oh, today's your birthday. I say, yeah, it is. And I didn't smart off. I didn't have an attitude. I didn't. I didn't put pace in my voice. I was scared. And they told my friends that they had to go because at that time the the county curfew was ten o'clock for minors. But they told me I need to go on home. I didn't have to, but they encouraged me to go home. And I said, well, that's my dad. Then I'm waiting for to get off work. So uh, I got in my car and I pulled up beside the store. And uh, my dad's not cried too much. I've seen him cry a few times. I don't know if he cried in that moment, but his eyes were bloodshot red. And uh, he said, just going home, son, we'll celebrate when you get home. Fast forward, I'm in Bible college. Two years later, I'm in Bible college. Cleveland, Tennessee, me and my roommate, awesome dude, we're at the mall in Chattanooga, Tennessee, we're going down the escalator, we're about to walk into the store of Lids, if you don't know what Lids is, wow, you've been living under a rock, and uh, as we're going down the escalator, you know, we're just standing there, and it's, it's doing all the work, there's this mom and her daughter, and she looks at Nick and then looks at me and pulls her daughter close to her as she's going up the escalator. I, it wasn't like a little nudge. It was both hands, both arms, hugged tight as she looked at me and her head turned and her eyes followed me all the way into lids. And the reason I know is not because I felt it, because I saw it. And my roommate, he didn't understand at the time and I really didn't feel like explaining it to him. Uh, another moment was, um, me and my wife, we were married. This was before we had kids. We were living, um, at a friend's guest house, if that made sense. Um, they had a mother-in-law, a mother suite or mother-in-law house and it's whatever attached to their property. And that's where we lived at. And this house was in a really, really nice neighborhood. Um, and one night I'm coming home from church just did youth service, and uh, she, my wife decided to ride with um, with the lady uh, that we was renting from, ride back to the house with her. And I'm driving my, at the time, little beat-up RAV4, and uh, the way home, I get pulled over, and uh cop checked my license, and he's shining the light through my car and all that, and asked where I was going, so I told him where we were staying, and uh, he's like, are you sure you're staying there? I was like, yeah. I am. 
It's like, well, you crossed the wrong side of town, son. And I invited him to follow me back to my home. And he did partially until he saw I was telling the truth. And then he did a U-turn and went on. Back when I was in high school, my senior year, I was in love with this uh, uh, a girl I went to school with. She was a grade underneath me. So I was a 12th grader. She was an 11th grader. And I remember I went to her house to meet her mom and dad. And uh, I was so deceived, but I knew something was off. Just, you know, their shock when they opened the door. And uh, just, I don't really know how to describe it, but the looks on their faces. Obviously, if you haven't picked up, she was white. She is white. And, uh, you know, that night when we went out on a date, it was fun. You know, we went out, we went and got something to eat. Really nice restaurant. Brought her back to her parents' house. And uh, uh, the mom didn't even come out. The dad didn't even come out. You know, I, I was at the door. I wanted to thank them, but they wouldn't come out. And... uh Shortly that night, she messaged me and said that um, we could never see each other again and for me to delete her number. Lindsay, did you do something? Yeah, I was born black. And the reason I was, it was a skin issue is because I asked her when I saw her at school. She avoided me and I was like, please, you, you got to tell me. And she's like, my parents don't like you because of your skin color. They like you as a friend of mine, but not not to date they said they don't want to have they don't want to have nigger grandbabies yeah I couldn't imagine being the Albury family my wife told me she said I couldn't imagine being you I said no because my pride and joy are my kids Well, Lindsay, aren't you in an interracial marriage? I am. And I get it from both sides. Get it from whites. And surprisingly, you may be surprised by this, but I'm not. I get it from blacks all the time. Oh, my God, all the time. Always questioning how black I am based off of my um, likes and dislikes of food and entertainment versus the melatonin, melatonin in my DNA. I'm just being honest with you. Unfortunately, that's what we do to our own. If you are African American and you do this, I encourage you to stop. The thing that makes us black is not um, us saying yes that we like the movie boys in the hood. It's not us saying yes we prefer Richard Pryor over Adam Sandler. You can't decide to be black. You're born it. And unfortunately, there are people in this world that see that as a damnation versus a representation of our Father God. They refuse to see us created in the image of God, what we are. I do have low-key fear. I guess 
it's not low-key since I'm creating this episode. I do fear for my kids. I do fear for myself. But this is the True North Podcast, so guess what? What do we do? For, what, do what do I do notoriously? I take the body of water that you or I or anyone is selling through and try to steer it towards a path that lands at the heart of God. Yes, I do fear for me and my kids. I do fear that the wrong thing could happen. I would be out of my kid's life. Sometimes I do fear the wrong thing would happen that and one of them or both of them would be out of my life. But I can't live in fear. You and I, we cannot live in fear. Instead, it pushes my dependency more and more upon God. Trusting and knowing when I pray for my kids, you better believe I don't say some little God bless the prayer. I, I pray. I intercede for my kids. I intercede for my safety. I intercede for my wife's safety. Listen, there are all kind of stereotypes and there are all kind of jokes that are low-key racist. But giving light to what's going on, do me a favor and stop. Not just you don't call them out and try to fight them. But, you know, remind them of this episode or maybe have them listen to this episode. You play it off your phone or computer or you just tell them, hey, imagine if you were shot and removed from your family because of the color of your skin. And then that moment was covered out for two to three months. So if you will join with me as I pray, Lord, thank you. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for what you did at the cross. And thank you for raising three days later. Right now, bless the Alberry family. Strengthen them in this time. Lord, you are the God of justice. Vengeance is yours. So right now, I put my trust in you. I declare justice for this family. Father God, in a system that is built at times against us, give them strength to not only endure this that's happened, but to outlive it. To become better. And to show all of us how to be better. In Jesus' name, amen.